A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, now helping children understand and accept others who are different. And the award winning author of the novel Wonder, RJ Palacio, is my guest. Her book was a runaway success, selling more than five million copies, and has been made into a film which is scheduled for release in November in the United States. It's about a boy called Augie Pullman, a boy who was born with a severe facial deformity. Uh, RJ Palacio is a mother of two based in New York who has ditched her career in graphic design to focus full-time on writing books. She describes Augie Pullman as an ordinary boy with an extraordinary face. And her latest work, Where All Wonders, is a picture book which introduces younger readers to Augie. Uh, Welcome, lovely to talk to you. Welcome to Nine to Noon. Thank you so much for having me. Shall we uh, begin with the fact that that name, like other authors who've had wonderful success with first books, is a pen name, yeah? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, uh, my my given name is Raquel Jaramillo, and Palacio was actually my mother's maiden name. Um, So I became R.J. Palacio. Well, it's a lovely name, and also it's, I guess, a way to... Decide how public you want to be, I, I, I guess, when, uh, when you have some um, wonderful success with a book like this. What was the, what was the motivation uh, for Augie and for uh, his story? What, what was the, the genesis for you? Well, about, you know, I guess maybe eight or nine years ago now, I was with my two young sons, and my younger son was about three years old at the time. And uh, we were in front of an ice cream store, and, and we happened to find ourselves in very close proximity to a young child who had a very significant facial difference. Um, and my three-year-old started to cry. Um, and, you know, that wasn't really the reaction that um, that I responded to. I Basically, I kind of panicked at his tears. I was so afraid that the little girl would realize that he was reacting to her face that I kind of whisked my children away rather quickly and afterwards immediately regretted it because I realized that from her point of view, um, she might have thought that I was I was leaving the scene to spare my children from seeing her when, in fact, I was leaving the scene to spare her from seeing my children's reaction to her. Um, but anyway, that really sparked the idea in me. Like what, what I, I kept on obsessing about what it must be like to face a world every day that doesn't know how to face you back. Um, and to to find yourself being stared at wherever you go simply by virtue of the way you look. You know, you just reminded um, me of something that that I had as a young child just getting some tonsils done, but ended up in in the burn, what was also the burns ward of a hospital. And the first time I saw, I can still see this man's face and I can see, and I can remember my reaction. His neck was just terribly disfigured. Uh, and, and I just—I'm a child, right? I don't—I don't have any sort of um, capacity necessary to understand the effect of my response. But my face just dropped open in this look of shock, and I can just remember him gently smiling at me. Um, you know, this is a, a sh- this, of, yeah, yeah. It's very, very difficult to sort of explain this to your kids um, and to uh, un- make them understand that there really is nothing extraordinary here. And and my lament at the time was that I hadn't set a better example for my son, that I hadn't shown him by my actions that there was nothing to be afraid of. 
um, I had missed the opportunity to use it as a teaching moment, you know, and, and mm. that's what I really mm. regretted. But the funny thing was just had, through the minds of a child and through the memory of a child, I didn't mean, I didn't think, mean him any harm or I didn't think that that, that looks like a scary person or anything. It was just an utterly spontaneous response to something that shocked me. Absolutely. Um, so where did you pick up from there? Did you later have the conversation with your child or did you think, no, that moment's passed and I'll, I'll think about whether there's something I can develop further here? Well, both. I, I, you know, I had a conversation with my kids and we talked about that little girl and, um, you know, we felt very badly uh, afterwards and, and we wished we could have gone back and, and we even talked about what we would have said, what we could have said differently. Um, but that night, um, I was so affected by that situation that I, I started, I actually started writing the book Wondered that very night, um, just as a way of kind of working through, I think, my feelings and um, pretty soon, I, I thought, well, you know, this is a, actually this is a good idea for a book, and um, I kept going. How did Augie come to you? You know, he came somewhat fully formed. I don't know. I mean, I'd always wanted to be a writer, and I'd been writing over the years on my own, um, never quite finishing anything that I started because, you know, I wasn't making I wasn't making a living out of it. I, I had my own, you know, things to do on a daily basis. Um, but the craft of writing is something that I'd constantly been developing. So by the time I came to write this story, it's, 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 it came very, very easily and very naturally to me. And Augie came, I have to say, very fully formed, um, almost like, <laughs> like I gave birth to him. You know, he was, he was his own entity um, with his own little personality, um, and, and it was very strange how easily he came to me, almost like he, he was really born of some deep... I don't know, some deep thing inside of me. Were you surprised by the success of uh, the novel? We're going to talk about the new book in a moment. But were you surprised by the success of that? And and did you realise then that you had got something about him right that really, really resonated? Well, I was very surprised. I mean, I, I it took me about a year and a half to write. And the only time I could find to write, because I had a full-time job and I was raising two kids and, you know, you have a life, was um, in the middle of the night. So I, I would get up at around midnight and write till 3 in the morning. And that took me about a year and a half to do every night. And there were times when, you know, I, I'd be tired and it would be 2 or 3 in the morning and, and I'd be thinking, what am I doing? Who is ever going to read this book? Who's going to publish this book about a boy with a facial deformity? You know, it, it's not about vampires and it's not about you know, dystopian futures, and, and it's not any of those trending subjects that seem to be so popular in children's books. Why am I doing this? And um, I, so, you know, the idea that I could get it published was sort of as far as I would let myself dream. Um, and then when it was published, I kind of thought, that's it. Okay, my book got published, yay. Uh, but it never occurred to me at that point, which is five years ago now, that it would take off the way it did. Um, much less, you know, become a movie starring Julia Roberts. I mean, it's it, it, this is beyond one's ability. I mean, I can dream, but this is beyond even my ability to dream big. What is it about him, do you think? Uh, and I, I think the word that's been used many times and indeed led to a movement is kindness. And in some ways, like, we can teach strategies and we can explain things and we can explain difference but kindness is at the heart of this because kindness also allows you to make a mistake perhaps uh, and to come back from it and kindness exactly also right. and uh, kindness is also probably at the heart of the resilience and the understanding uh, that a person... Mm, yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I, you, you hit it right on the, uh, the nail on the head. I, that's exactly it. I think ultimately, even though um, the book on the outside is a, a book about this boy's journey through fifth grade um, in a New York City uh, private school, um, ultimately it's a meditation on kindness and the impact and the power of kindness to, uh, you know, to children like Augie and to people everywhere because every character in the book has something in their lives they wish they could change. Um, you know, maybe not as obvious as, as Augie, uh, who ultimately actually kind of is empowered by who he is and by the things he's been through, um, and it makes him who he is. But um, I think, you know, it's that kindness. It's that idea. There's a, there's a running current through the book that, you know, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And it's that compassion and I think some, some tenderness that I certainly feel for my fellow human beings that I think maybe comes through in the book. And um, so it's ultimately, you know, very uplifting. Um, I think the power of kindness shows through, and it makes people feel good about about people. It is two-way. It also can involve the forgiveness of people who don't have the skills or who do get it wrong. And another key word in it, I think, is, and, and this can be challenging at different stages of children's development because of literally where they're at, where their brains are at, and what they're capable of, and what's developed and what's not. But it's part of this very important process of trying to encourage their comprehension and experience of empathy. Absolutely, and inspire. You know, empathy is one of those things that we can't mandate in children. We can inspire it, maybe through good storytelling, maybe through our actions. We can inspire children to want to be kinder. Um, but you know, it, it's something that they have to choose to be. They have to choose to to have that feeling. And and if you could sow that seed, those seeds of kindness in little ones, then you, you know you've done a pretty good job. Because um, once, yeah, I think the wonderful thing about kindness is just how infectious it is. You know, and and once people realize, wait, when I do something kind to someone else, I actually feel good. You know, it's it's a it's a very it's a boomerang effect. You know, you give it out, but then you feel it and you get it. Um, once you empower kids with that feeling, you know, there's no stopping them. They, they like that feeling. They go back to it over and over again, or at least that's the hope. And it, certainly it's been my experience. That premise, in his own words, that, that you can't blend in when you were born to stand out, is that another thing that you had to develop in some ways? Um, and, and how so? Um, the idea that you can somehow protect or shelter someone from a difference that is going to draw kids' attentions in particular, much less um, uh, forgivable when adults don't have the, the maturity to, to temper and, and to be respectful with their responses, but you're not going to be able to prevent it. So what are the, what is the theme that you develop along that kind of self-understanding that, as you say, Augie develops on his own journey? I think he realises himself that, you know, he even says in, in the course of the book, look, if, uh, you know, he's really into Star Wars and um, he has these little fantasies of, of, you know, that have to do with Star Wars sometimes. And, and he even says at one point, look, you know, if, if Chewbacca were suddenly to be walking down the hallways of my school, I would expect that people would start staring at him, you know, and I, I get it. I get why people look at me. Um, that's okay. What's not okay is the other stuff that happens. Um, so curiosity without judgment is okay, but it's that other stuff, the meanness, the, the, the whispering, and, and, you know, we have to put ourselves in his shoes. And I think one of the things that Wonder does, because it's told from his point of view and the perspectives of those people around him, I think kids, as they're reading the book, are able to really, really walk in his shoes a little bit and walk in the shoes of his friends. 
And that also inspires empathy. That also inspires compassion. You realize that, oh, you know, they didn't mean to be mean, but they were. And um, and I think that kind of you know once you once you awaken a child to that to those possibilities you see their little you see their heads kind of like oh I get it now I I, I understand that the words I use and the things I do have an impact and I'm going to be a little bit more careful about that. In the novel for the older children, you don't sugarcoat it either. You uh, you know uh, some of what Augie overhears uh, is very damaging. Uh, also the betrayal and realising that someone was pretending to be friends with them when not, uh, the reality of being bullied. You don't sort of sugarcoat it as some kind of neat little package of here's what the problem is and here's how everyone should deal with it. You take them to some pretty hard places. Well, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking being 10 years old under ordinary circumstances. You have you know, friends who are no longer the friends that you thought they were. You've got you know, shifting sands of relationships that happen. You have children who, at that age, for the first time, usually, are making choices on a day-to-day basis about who they want to be and who they want to hang out with. You know, prior to that, um, in, in the sort of the lower grades, when the kids are a little younger, parents are making a lot of the decisions about who the kids are going to play with and who the kids are going to hang out with after school and, and all of that. Um, and teachers are making decisions about where to seat children and who's going to sit with whom at lunchtime. But it's around, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old that kids start actually making these decisions for themselves for the first time without parental guidance and with very little input from grown-ups. You know, these are the navigate these are the waters they're starting to navigate. And and so as an adult watching, it it can be heartbreaking because you see them you see them falter, you see them make some wrong choices, you see them um wanting to do nice things and and not being able to just uh, and and vice versa sometimes they do dumb things um just just simply because they don't know any better and and they you know it doesn't mean that they're bad it doesn't mean anything it just means they've made a mistake as they're charting these uncharted territories what happened after the first book took off after wonder took off what did it mean for you and and how has it now led to uh, to the new work well you know i because I worked in book publishing, you know, I was a graphic designer and, and my job was as an art director um, at, a, at a publishing company uh, working on book covers for other people's books. Um, I, I knew how um, difficult it was to make a living as a writer. I mean, I, I've been part of enough book launches to know that, you know, I, I tell authors, you know, don't, don't quit your day job, not yet at least, because, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to sustain yourself just by publishing books nowadays. Um, so I kept my day job for three years after Wonder was published, and I did my book tours and everything, and I still kept my day job because I kept thinking, you know, this will end, and uh, I'm going to go back to being a graphic designer. Um, but, you know, after about three years, I realized that, um, well, it, it doesn't seem to be ending. If anything, this, this is keep, I, I'm, 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 I'm a writer now, you know, and um, lo and behold, I ended up uh, giving up my day job. And now this is what I do full time. So it's, it, the impact on me and my family—it's it, been pretty profound in in my lifestyle. I mean, not 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 in terms of where I live or anything like that. Just in terms of like not having a nine to five job anymore. Sure. So we're all wonders is the book for younger readers. You've illustrated it as well as written it. How did you have to think about this differently? Obviously, there's different a, a different approach needed for for the younger readers. But how did you also have to? refocus on what might be the behaviours of children in this age and the experiences on both sides of the encounter? 
Well, um, you know, the, the thing with a picture book is you have 32 pages in which to tell a story um, with images um, and words combined. And, you know, images can speak volumes. And, and because I think my background is in art, even as a writer, I tend to think in images, and I tend to think both, you know, in words and images kind of very naturally um, in terms of telling a story. So uh, when, it, when I decided to write the picture book, I knew that um, I really wanted to keep the very basic elements. of. I, I wanted this to be a book um, about kindness, the same way the other book was. Uh, but how do I how do I convey that message to younger children? How do I talk about being different without perhaps you know illustrating something that might affect them in a negative way? You know, and because you know children, especially at that age, are, are they, they they get scared very easily. So I didn't want to do anything like that. But I also did want to uh, convey just how different Augie looks from the rest of the world. So what I did is I, I decided to um, play on that the idea of the book cover that we used for Wonder, which is a very iconic image, um, a very, very graphic uh, sort of facial shot of this boy. All He, he has only one eye, um, somewhat malformed ears, and the rest is left to the imagination. It's a very spare illustration that, that really has worked everywhere it's been published. Um, and so I decided to play with that, the idea that this boy's difference in the picture book is exactly that. He only has one eye, and he's got two malformed ears, but everyone else in the book has two eyes and a nose and lips and normal ears. And um, and kids get it immediately, that they, they immediately get that, oh, you know, he looks different. But it's not a scary different, it's just a different, you know. And um, And they're able to follow his journey they understand what it's like again, just like with the uh, older, with the book for older kids, what it's like to walk in his shoes because they they feel his pain when he gets stared at and when he gets looked at or made fun of. Um, so, so I thought that was a way of inviting children to go on Augie's journey that was age appropriate, you know, for the younger kids. You also have on your uh, website, I think, a section for teachers. How is that working, and uh, what what sort of uh, response is it getting? Well, very early on after the first book was published, after Wonder was published in 2012, um, I started seeing uh, that you know a lot of teachers and educators and librarians were, were using Wonder as a kind of conversation starter. They were teaching in schools, and, and it was becoming part of the curriculum uh, as a way, I mean, yes, as an anti-bullying campaign, but also as a way of building kindness and empathy uh, as a class ethos. And um, it was really interesting for me to see how this started out almost, you know, it started with the teachers. They themselves were the ones that started using it. And then my publisher uh, decided to help things along and, and write a reader's guide and help them with uh, build a curriculum around, again, around building those notions of kindness and empathy and tolerance and compassion and, and those things that, um, you know, you, you, kids are never too young to learn about. There's one point you make that I find very interesting. You want parents to do more interfering in their kids' lives. And often there's a debate at the moment about, you know, we're interfering too much in helicopter parents, but that's not what you're talking about here. It's about saying when you are hearing attitudes or talk that could be harming someone else, this is your chance to get in there and and have a say. Uh, Tell me more about why you've reached that conclusion. Well, I think that it's uh, it's very interesting how, um, you know, and again, I have two children, I have two sons, 
my oldest is 20. My younger one is 13 years old. So I've, I've been through this. Um, and I've always thought it was rather interesting that, um, you know, when, when kids are really young, when they're toddlers, when they're in the sandbox, we kind of we teach them what I call those sandbox virtues. You know, say please, um, say thank you. You know, we go out of our way to teach them the language of how to be polite. And it's important because we know as parents that the world is kinder to polite children. I mean, it's really just a survival tactic, I think. You know, you, you want to raise your kids to, to be polite because, you know, it, things are just better that way. And it, it's better for them to understand that there's certain platitudes that are really actually good for them. And then as they get older, this is what I have found, that especially as they hit middle school, um, that parents dwell on those things less and they, they become more preoccupied with, the academics and the sports and, you know, are, are you doing well in school? Did you do your homework? Did you do this or that? But to me, it seems like there's less of a focus on those sandbox virtues, those, you know, tell me about your friends. How are they doing? And, you know, the, the kind of um, the, the, those meannesses that pass for normal nowadays, I, I don't think that they should. I, I think that parents should be a little bit more on top of their kids' um, social dramas. And, you know, not directly interfering, but certainly counseling, being that voice of reason, um, being that reminding voice that, you know, you might not be friends with this little girl that you've been best friends with since kindergarten, but it doesn't mean that you get to disrespect her. It doesn't mean that you can't be compassionate. You yeah. know, it, it, friendships change. They're to, fluid at this age. Also, to, to, those who, to those who say, the kid doesn't listen to me anymore anyway. Uh, they're listening. They, they are listening. I, I they're they're, say, they're, they're saying listening. what they're saying to you, but that doesn't mean they're not, they're not listening. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're, still yeah. the, you're still the parent and you're still the voice of, of they, they're totally listening. Okay. Thanks so much. Good talking to you. RJ Palacio is the author of the book. The latest one is for younger readers. We Are All Wonders, it's called, and it is published in New Zealand by Penguin Random House. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 